0: This is all in for the love of the game. This is
1: Love Said Match. I mean, Andre Agassi had this goal. You don't have to be better than everyone else in the draw when you go out on the court, Like, You have to be better than someone that's across the net.
2: I think you've got to stay active in a sport sense, you know, go out there, do some sports. I think it always makes you feel better, maybe more tired in the very moment, but actually the rest of the day feels better. And then I think giving back as well, you know, making other people happy is going to give you a good feeling too.
0: Welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. I'm your host, Philip Kim, also known as Coach PK, the tennis pro for the Langham Huntington Hotel in sunny Southern California and the executive director for the nonprofit Love Sat Match. And with me today, returning from a long hiatus, is Valerie Garcia. How are you, Valerie?
1: PK, I'm doing good. How are you?
0: So nice to have you back.
1: It's good to be back. It's good to hear your voice and to know that we're about to talk tennis. Because, you know, that's the thing I love the most on earth, is talking tennis with you.
0: It's a good feeling, no doubt about it. And speaking of tennis, Tennis Pal Chronicles is sponsored by Tennis Pal, the best app to find people to play with in your area. Visit tennispal.com to download the app today. It's available on Android and iPhone.
1: And it's a necessary app for any person who likes tennis, period. So great. Even if you don't want to play tennis with someone, there's a great home feed
0: yes. where people talk,
1: like post about tennis and yes stats and scores (laughs) and
0: all that stuff right
1: yes yeah
0: that's a good point it's a lot of fun well valerie we had a really fun experience uh i announced on our last podcast uh did you get a chance to listen to it uh with my interview with martin
1: yes that was amazing
0: he's so smart Uh, right he's so good
1: I could listen to that guy talk about tennis all day long. I really hope that you're able to get him on again.
0: I hope so. Yeah, I think it would be great. And it was just so appropriate that he was in London talking about Wimbledon, don't you think? Yes, so I that, agree. So that worked. I'm going to
1: be in London in two weeks, Philip. so should I call you and talk about Wimbledon? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yes, and I think you should call Martin and say hi.
1: You know what? Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll Google him and... Reach out.
0: (laughs) That would be so fun. And especially if you could do a podcast together or something, that would be a layer. just awesome.
1: Uh, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I'll work out the details this weekend. No.
0: (laughs) Well, you're a little late for Wimbledon going to London.
1: It's true. It's true. But I don't know if I would ever do Wimbledon, Philip, like the queuing I I applied for the lottery. I did not get chosen to get tickets. Um, the only other way to get in is to queue, and I just don't think I have it in me. Yeah. Would you would you go to Wimbledon?
0: I absolutely would. I feel like it's a bucket list. Like, I've got to do it one time. I kick myself for not doing it when Roger Federer is still an active pro player. Uh, yeah. You might be able to still see him there wandering the grounds, right? But unfortunately... Yeah, not watching him play on grass. I feel like there's a a gaping hole in my tennis heart.
1: (laughs) I guess, I mean, at least you got to see him on TV play grass.
0: (laughs) Yes, lots and lots of times on TV. And And Phillips. Yes?
1: Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I just realized something very important about seeing Roger on grass.
0: Oh, tell me.
1: We talked about this before. I don't even want to say it out loud because if anybody who doesn't know about it hears it, it's competition. But 2027, the induction to the Hall of Fame.
0: Oh, there it that's, is.
1: That Rhode Island um, Hall of Fame, they have grass courts there. So yes. it would be kind of seeing Roger, even if he doesn't play, he's on grass there.
0: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> just walking on the Hall of Mark Hallard your calendar. Grounds. Yeah. Oh, that's a good call. I always think of John Isner for that tournament for some reason.
1: Yeah, because he wins it all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, that's a good memory. But New- you you have you haven't uh, slept on it. You know, you still have one more chance to like see something really special with Roger and Grass.
0: Okay. Newport, Rhode Island. Here we come.
1: Yes, 2027. We're booking our tickets. <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of tickets, we had this really awesome opportunity to give some tickets away for an event here in Los Angeles, live pro tennis event in Los Angeles. Yes, please. It was called the Ultimate Tennis Showdown. And we were so grateful to the USTA who graced our nonprofit with tickets. And so I was able to give tickets away to people who are coaches, first of all, all coaches who are coaching all the kids in East LA and all of our lesson coaches, as well as anyone who wanted to join and be a part of our team and go. So it was just super exciting to have those tickets. We actually used it as a fundraiser to raise funds for our mission and raised quite a bit of money for that. So we're super grateful for that. And of course, that's
1: amazing.
0: Yes, yes. And of course, Valerie was one of the Lucky awardees of a ticket,
1: very, very lucky and grateful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: good. It's good to be a BFF with Philip Kim people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what is UTS? You say? I think it's a, a good question because it's really a brand new concept put together, created by. Patrick Mouratoglou, who of course, is the very famous coach for Serena Williams and many other top players. So let's listen to an interview of him, it's only five minutes, talking about what the UTS is, why he came up with it, and what it means.
2: Hey Patrick, it's a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure for me. Well,
3: what is the hardest thing about being a coach? Well, I never thought that way. I don't, th- I don't, I don't see it uh, difficult, of course it's difficult, but uh, I see it fun, exciting, uh, challenging. So for me, uh, I just wake up every morning and I'm excited for what's coming up. I have no idea. Uh, you change country every day, you change courts, you change opponents, uh, and you have to navigate and find ways to improve your your player and win titles. So I think it's more exciting than anything else. Yes. You
2: know, when I walked up to the court right now and I looked at the court, when you go to a new place, I'm like, that looks a little high. <laughs> the net is, you know, sometimes you know that little feeling that every court seems like a little different. What would you coach your player when you come to a new court which the lines are different, there's no doubles lines. So what would you tell, tell him anything, if,
3: if anything? You know what? This court is exactly like a normal court. There is only, I say one difference. No, There is no alley, but you don't need the LA's when you play singles. So this is not a change. Yeah. The only change is the net. If you look at the net, it's the same height, but it's on the lines. Usually, it's a bit far back to the sides. Correct. Why we do that? So you can hit hot shots playing around the net. So I would totally coach my player to work on that so he can use it during the match. There you go, because the net doesn't come all the way around, and you go hit around the net, right? Exactly. That's one of the coolest shot ever is around the net. The best the post. shot around the post. And we want to see a lot of that. And every time we play UTS, we see players love to play those hot shots. I see something different, too. These lines look fat. They are fatter. They're fatter. But it's just... It doesn't make any ch- any difference because they are exactly at the same uh, distance as usual. We just made them fire inside the court, so it doesn't make any difference. Oh, oh. It just looks different. We want nice. the court, we want people when they watch UTS to know after one second that it's not classical tennis, it's UTS. And thanks to the net, thanks to the lines, thanks to a lot of details, you see it
2: straight away. UTS is so fun to watch, I like the whole look of it and everything. How did you first get involved with it?
3: Uh, well, I created it in... 2020. Oh, you created it? Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. I, I did. I did create it in 2020 because I, I think tennis needs it. Tennis is a is an unbelievable sport. It's my sport. I love it. But the fan base of tennis is old, 61 years old average, and the new generation is not watching tennis. So we have to. We we thought it was necessary to create a product that is tennis, but it's such a different tennis that it's attractive for the younger generation.
2: Look, I'm addicted to tennis. I play almost every day. Why is tennis such an addiction?
3: That's a good question. I'm addicted too, so we have something in common. Yes, sir. Uh, I think it's just the most exciting sport in the world. It's uh, it's very challenging. You are you are trying to beat yourself every day. Right. Uh, it's a sport that drives crazy. Uh, it's so frustrating, but at the same time, it's exciting. Also, I think the feel also, the feel of the ball is something. Wow, when you when you have the right sound and you hit the ball properly, it's such a great feeling. And. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I just, I I find out that people, you know what, the fan base of tennis is 61 years old average because it's the exact same fan base as the one who fell in love with tennis in the 70s and the 80s, which shows that people are so loyal to tennis because it's so addictive.
2: I love the sound of a tennis ball hitting a racket. I hate the sound of pickleball.
3: <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't want to say anything okay, bad, okay, 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 okay. but I definitely, definitely, that's one of the things I don't like. I, I mean, I think pickleball is cool; it's fun. Yeah. But the sound of the, the ball kills is me. just impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impossible. So
2: who's all going to? I know on the list who's going to be there. So all the list of players. How do you how
3: do you round up all these insane players? Well, you know, again, we want it to be uh, very exciting for the young generation to watch. And for that they need to connect with players. That's very important. So we chose players with two criteria. First criteria, great players, and they are great in terms of level. But second, the most exciting guys. And I believe that they will connect with the young generation because of their personalities. They have the they like listen to the same music, they speak the same way, they like the same things. So it's easier to connect and they are for most of them show men. They love to they love to. They're very tough competitors, but they love to. They love the show as well. So the goal is to have a great fight between the guys who really want to wor- win because it's a it's a it's a serious competition, but at the same time incredibly exciting and fun. And if we manage to have both, it's going to be the best uh, the best event in the world. No doubt. Um, how fun
2: was it watching Wimbledon
3: the finals? Oh, finals was great. It was uh, you know it was very important that match. Uh, because uh, now uh, I think that Carlos will be the major, the major threat for, uh, for Novak, who's trying to establish the highest record of Grand Slam wins of all times. Uh, so, uh, such an exciting moment. We have a player who can score an incredible uh, record, maybe 25, 28 Grand Slams, who knows? Wow. But now we have a young guy who showed that in the big moments, in the big uh, finals of the Grand Slams, he can beat him. So this new rivalry makes tennis so exciting.
0: So there it is. There's Patrick. And I think it's so interesting, him talking about trying to create a format that's for younger people. He's kind of trying to reinvent tennis, uh, give people you know something new. He, he quoted, I think, three or four times saying that the median age, the average age of a tennis player in America is 61 years old. Uh, not only in America, actually, just in general, 61-year-old tennis player. And he says... You know, of course, that the that person was uh, young in the heyday of the '70s and the '80s, right? When tennis was exploding here in the United States, and so that person has been loyal to tennis, stuck with it, and also, it's kind of a an homage to how how passionate people get about tennis that they stick with it for the rest of their life. So, Valerie, you were there at the event. Tell us what you thought.
1: I, I will definitely tell you but I don't want to forget this Philip. Okay, I'm very me. curious. What do you think about what do you think about what Patrick has to say and do you think that tennis needs reimagining?
0: Yeah, it's a really big question, isn't it? Uh, and especially in light of the pickleball activity that's exploded that's made it easier for people to just jump on a pickleball court and just start hitting without any kind of training or physical uh, uh, coaching. You know, they can just hit, right? So what's really great about that activity is that it really allows a lot of people to just start playing. And tennis is a harder sport. It is definitely a sport for athletes. It's a sport for people who really work on – the game, and it takes so much work to be good at it, which is why it's an Olympic sport, which is why it's a, a sport at, at the college level and at a, at the pro level, of course, right? Does it need reimagining is the question you asked. <laughs> so um, I definitely feel like there's there are things about tennis that make it harder to access. Uh, some of it is the length Uh, some of it is that tennis is not represented on television as much as it is like we saw the explosion with uh, Netflix talking about tennis right and so there was so much more interest and I really believe that in the 70s and 80s there was so much tennis on national television that lots of people just watched it it would be like after a movie or after a Uh, abc special or something (laughs) they'd have tennis or our saturday mornings they'd have these long tennis matches and people just watch it and it just was very clear that it was a part of our culture and i'm not so sure that it's easy to find like it used to be what do you think
1: uh you know i'm not sure but i you bring up an interesting point about it being on television and i think like there's obviously a lot more television networks now right so back back in the day it might have been on your ABC, your NBC, something along those lines. And now that we have ESPN or an Amazon prime might get, they might get the rights. um, It's something that's not going to be on basic television all the time, except for, I think, I think ESPN has one major. Um, I don't remember which one it is. So those people that don't have um, cable are going to miss out However, I I still think there's like two or three of the majors that at least the semis and the finals, like all the weekend matches, are on basic, regular, like, you know, you don't have to have any programming, I don't think, uh, to be able to see it. And so people can still have access to that. But I guess my thought is, is there's no dominant American players keeping them probably interested. And there's not the same type of personalities either you know your Connors your McEnroe and like Agassi and those those types of people that were all American and very extroverted and fun or controversial you know brought a lot of eyes I think to TV and now it's such it's such the gentleman's sport which is what it's known as but it's actually like really defined that way lately (laughs) and um and I think that has brought a level of, um, like the level of excitement down maybe to the casual fan. Yeah. And so that's how the casual fan ends up a Nick Curios fan. Uh, <laughs> because he brings back that element of excitement that we've been missing since, you know, Mac or Connors, you know, retired. But I I don't know. I don't, in the realm of, Patrick's idea. I I don't think tennis needs reimagining. I I have strong opinions <laughs> that I won't get deep into, but I uh I don't think tennis needs quarters and a time limit. Uh, I think they like they don't do that for baseball and that's America's, you know, pastime or whatever. Right. And that's what that's what makes it baseball and tennis so unique in their own right is that you can't just wait for the clock to run out. You have to win it.
0: Right. Now, now explain for people who uh, weren't there what quarters are. What, what did you experience?
1: Well, and, 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 <laughs> as I was it was coming out of my mouth, I realized that Patrick actually did design it in a way that the time doesn't run out and boom, you win. So I should probably not give too much slack in that Aspect, And I'll explain that after, but basically the way that they have the scoring system set up is instead of like normal tennis where you play points and points equal games and then games equal sets and then sets determine whether or not you win the match with, um, which is actually, uh, I'd say the hardest part about tennis is teaching anyone scoring. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no one taught me scorers. scoring right. and i just watched tv and figured it out over time so i don't think it's like this um impossible thing to grasp you just have to give it a minute and pay attention a little bit and then it once you have it you have it right
2: sure, sure. um
1: but i can see how it can maybe turn someone off right away because it's not just a linear type of like a goal, a ball went in a net. It's a goal, one point, you know? Right. (laughs) Uh, But so what they do is they they break it out into, I think it's eight minute quarters. Uh, So there's four of them and they play for eight minutes. And um, I it, it could be like four points to six points. They play it like a tiebreaker style. So every point one is just one, two, three, tallied in like a normal numeric fashion. Um, once the time runs out, then it goes to like a sudden death. So this is where I kind of like falsely accuse them of taking out the drama of having to win it because you actually <laughs> still have to win it. Right. Um Let's just say that it's 16 to eight, which actually I think happened in the match that I was watching. The first match I was watching, the first quarter was 16 points to eight points. And they were the uh, chair umpire. Um, once it went to sudden death because of the eight minutes ran out, he said, okay, we're in sudden death. First person to 17 points wins this quarter. well, one person is at like set point, I guess, basically at that, at that point because they have 16. So they just have to win one point. But, but they happened to, the other guy who had eight, he ran off like seven points and made it really close. Um, and ultimately the person who had 16 ended up winning, but there was still that shot that that other person, if they just got really hot and can go on a streak of points in a row, they still technically were in it so that was that was cool and interesting however what i what i didn't particularly care for is that the first match i watched it was 17 points and then i think like the next quarter they said 14 and so i was not clear on <laughs> okay like where is this number coming from this magical number that they have to hit right uh but other than that it seemed like it was they were good at explaining what was going on
0: yeah okay. while it was going on right well let's tell them who played uh because you got to see some pretty big tennis names playing
1: there were some amazing tennis names there uh and i got to say it was so cool i've never seen tennis in la before um indian wells is one thing but that's that's like Palm Springs that's La Quinta it's very far it's not Los Angeles uh county or um considered like the the Los Angeles area um so it was just so cool for me anyway to see tennis in LA and know that these like tennis stars when they leave the match they're like walking around like our our (laughs) our hometown you know Yeah. yeah it's so great so it was really cool. And I the first match that I got to, I'm, I'm laughing at myself because I... So I watched like three or four matches and I'm like mixing them up in my head. I'm pretty sure it was Tiafoe and Ben Shelton.
0: Nice. Yeah, I saw some highlights on YouTube of that. They were so good. Right. It was like... Uh, High-level exhibition, lots of tweeners, lots of uh, lobs running back and forth. That was crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think it was Tiafoe. Tiafo was the last match I watched with against Monfils. I think it was Ben Shelton against maybe Benoit Père. Makes sense. I should well, look up the schedule. It's funny how quickly... Like my brain forgets. <laughs> well, let's um, just
0: name the players that that went uh, that they great could idea scene, right. So Alexander <laughs> Bublik was there. That's uh, who
1: played. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> he was. He was. They give him these little nicknames, and he was Bublik enemy number one. Oh god. And it, it was Bublik and Shelton.
0: Okay, gotcha. <laughs> okay, so Taylor, continue. Sorry, <laughs> Taylor Fritz was there. Uh, Francis Tiafoe, who you said Ben Shelton. Yibing Wu, which I was really excited to see on the schedule. Nick Kyrgios was supposed to play, but apparently he didn't, right? Correct. Uh, Gail Monfie, which I think is the headliner. I would love to see Gail play. Gail. Yes. (laughs) Diego Schwartzman, another powerhouse player. I would love to see him live. And finally, Benoit Perez, you mentioned.
1: Yes. And I got to say... well, Kyrgios was supposed to play, but then I guess he's, his wrist is still healing. Yep. Um, but he was supposed to go, and I think he was going to be the coach, play coach for Tiafo. Yeah. But I watched uh, one of Tiafo's matches, and I didn't see Kyrgios there. But I did right. see on Kyrgios' Instagram <laughs> that he was getting a full back tattoo of Pokemon <laughs> at a tattoo studio in L.A.,
0: <laughs> so he was
1: in LA. Yeah. I just I didn't see him on Friday.
0: That's funny. In one of the YouTube interviews, they were interviewing Francis Tiafo and, and they asked them, you know, hey, how was it to have Nick Kyrgios uh, as your coach? What did he tell you? And <laughs> Tiafo said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that, nice. was a, that was a lot of fun. So major Star Power, obviously the level of tennis was pretty hot, right?
1: It was yeah, really, really good.
0: And the weather I mean, was these, hot. These too. guys are
1: the best of the best. So right, I'm, right. I'm, they're not Djokovic or Federer or something, but they are, you know, right up there.
0: They're right, so good. Right, and like you said, Bublik. I mean, so fun, so creative in his shot making. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have. I had never seen Bublik live, so that was my first time, and it was, it was really cool. And I think, I think. Well it's exhibition tennis. Right. So it's just more fun, I think right. in general because uh generally no one's there's not a ton of ranking points or millions of dollars right they're paid they're likely paid an appearance fee which is flat whether you win or lose. <laughs>
0: right.
1: And there's no ranking points, so it's just like bragging rights, which they're all obviously competitive because they're professional athletes, but the the level of fun is like uh jacked up yeah, because the level of pressure is lower. So they could just, they're trying things they probably wouldn't try and they're talking to each other and just having a good time. So it's like it definitely makes for a great atmosphere. Uh, and there was a good amount of kids there. So I thought that was really cool and fun. That's I'm sure great. they enjoyed that.
0: That's great. And I've got to think Gail is the king of fun. So was he bringing it?
1: Oh, he was bringing it. He was dancing uh, he was just being him, to- his totally his fun self. And then he actually had like a heckler in the crowd, and I don't know. I, I was confused because it seemed like this person was heckling him and talking to him while he was serving. And Guile was like talking to this guy a lot. They were having a lot of banter. And then all of a sudden, Guile was like losing. He the guy's yelling at him during the point because they encourage that behavior. Uh, and Gael missed and he ran up and jumped up onto the like barrier that's keeping him between him, him, or sorry, the barrier that is between him and the stands. And he jumps up and like, um, makes like a move, like, uh, putting his chest out, like at this fan, right. Kind of, um, punking him, but and then just, like, went back onto the court. And the fan, you could see his face. He was really surprised and, like, whoa. But then um, after the match, Gael in the interview was saying something along the lines of the guy giving him a hard time. But then he, like, I think he shrugged it off and he went over there and gave him his um, his wristbands. And he was talking to him and being really nice. And then I, I think I saw the guy had a... Um, a Monfils head, like a big, like a Monfils face on a cardboard oh, wow. cutout. Uh-huh. So I was thinking, wait, he's a fan of him, but why were they having like this weird tussle? And mm-hmm. so that's kind of, I think, where you lose some of the, the, um, the details that you would get if you're watching on TV. Someone who's maybe in a better watching position might be able to explain to you what's going on.
0: Right. Right.
1: I I was on the other side of the court and I was kinda like trying to make sense of it and really couldn't, but it was super entertaining and I hit between Monfils and Tiafo, they are so athletic and gifted. Sure. It was amazing.
0: Wow. Yeah. And you had mentioned interviews. I know that they made that a highlight of this whole experience, a lot of interviewing. How did that go?
1: Yeah, I gotta say that was super cool. Uh they interview them in between quarters and they can hear each other cuz it's like broadcast through the stadium. Uh so they're being funny about it, you know, uh and the and the players are taking jabs at each other.
0: Uh-huh. Talking uh, trash. Talk,
1: talking a little trash, yeah. yeah. So it was super fun. Uh and the interviews were cool and they were brief, so it wasn't like long and drawn out. It was about under a minute per player and then back to action and then they would play, you know, the second quarter. Um and, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Like, that was definitely – the interviewing was a highlight, I thought,
0: of I the saw, experience. Yeah, I saw this one clip where Yibing Wu actually started singing during one of the interviews or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> they said nice. that he, he was like a singer or something.
1: Oh, nice. Then, I didn't know that. I didn't catch that.
0: And then one of the players got up. And, oh, was it Schwartzman? They said that he promised that he was going to dance or something and he was starting to dance, so it was kind of interesting. It felt a little awkward, honestly, watching it on YouTube, a little cringy, (laughs) but uh, maybe while you're there, it's just so fun, it's the party atmosphere, you know? Speaking of the atmosphere, how did L.A. respond to this? How was the crowd?
1: They were pretty good. So I was there a little earlier in the day, I think like from 4.30 till like 9.30. Um, and I don't know if it got a little crazier once the sun went down and it was cooler because it was, people were melting, right? It was yeah, really hot. It was and a m- hot day. So much sun. You know, you're just sitting there trying not to die of heat. Uh, <laughs> and you're, th- well, at least I'm thinking, okay, the players are actually out there running around, so stop complaining. <laughs> <laughs> um, the atmosphere did seem really good. However, this was one of the things that I kind of, Found a little off putting because I'm so traditional. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like, I feel like, okay, if you want to reimagine tennis, that's one thing, but to like completely try and make it su- a different sport is strange to me. Mm. So there was a lot of encouragement to talk and yell during points, um, like a basketball game or a hockey game or some other, I guess, non individual sport. Yep. Right, um, that you're just used to an environment like that, and on the one hand, I I totally get it, um, but it I could definitely see it like it rattled players. They're not used to it, yeah. Um, and and it caused confusion if people were calling out, they were just continuing play. There was no let, so it it kind of um, hindered the play for a lot of the players because they they wouldn't know. Um, And I thought all I could think is, okay, if this is somebody's first tennis event, (laughs) they're going to go to a real tennis sanctioned event (laughs) and they're going to like yell in the middle of a point and everyone's going (laughs) to think they're like a bad person, but they, they just were taught poorly by this experience. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, and it seemed like they were begging for it, um, the, people weren't really trying to yell during the point. They were perfectly happy to cheer or go, gasp, right? Mm-hmm. Gasping during the point. Ooh, yeah. ah. Yeah. Um, and then cheering when the point is over. But it, like the um, the MC kept saying, come on, yell during the point. Don't be shy. Let's hear you during the point. And uh, I was just kind of like, you know what? We could still have fun without, I don't know, yelling.
0: Uh, right. in the
1: point it seemed like they were really trying to too hard i guess to make it yeah whatever they had envisioned
0: and these Um, are then the people who went were probably pretty hardcore tennis people right i mean that's why they paid money to buy these tickets and they weren't cheap uh and so they're used to they weren't (laughs) they're used to quiet tennis right i mean they're used to being quiet during the point and and the traditionalism of Wimbledon for instance although we do have like Davis Cup where people are crazy and yelling and screaming and even world team tennis they still they play music during the point and you know people are talking a lot out loud and so there is a little bit of that but in general i mean all of the slams of course and and then traditional tennis is probably quieter during the point right so so these people are probably more used to that
1: Yes and I've I've been to World Team Tennis and um it was very fun. I I in fact when I was at UTS I was sitting with Mark for a little bit, uh our friend who Mark was Izzanski,
0: on one of yes. yes,
1: he was on one of our episodes if you didn't listen go check it out.
0: Yeah. Um
1: he's playing every court in Los Angeles, right?
0: Yes, every public um, court, right?
1: Yeah, so you guys can check out that episode, but I was sitting with him for a bit and I was telling him this event is actually just making me crave uh World Team Tennis. Like mm. I forgot how much I love World Team Tennis and I, they were not begging for people to scream during points. They were right. very loud and they were creating a fun atmosphere without like um it didn't seem like it was trying so hard to ask people to do stuff yeah. that they didn't naturally want to do. And I don't recall I don't think in Davis Cup or World Team Tennis them asking for po- noise during the point. Uh-huh. Um, I just think natural, it's just a organic. lot of ruckus that happens yeah. during or after. Yeah. Um, but most people do, even at Davis Cup, they're quiet because they they're intensely and intently watching the points in the match. Right. right. And then once something happens, yeah, the the blow horns and everything go crazy.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Those horns! Oh my gosh. That would yeah. drive me insane as being an audio person, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, speak- you have to.
1: I think you have to be a soccer or football fan, right. you know, to be able right. to like handle that level of right. madness.
0: <laughs> and that's the idea, right? Is they're trying to integrate the soccer madness, the basketball craze, right? They're trying to make tennis similar to that. And I don't know, maybe it loses a little bit of what what makes tennis unique in a way, you know?
1: Well, and I would compare tennis is unique it's an individual sport it's like uh you don't see that happening in a golf tournament either um and for good reason i think i think there's a different level of skill and concentration and all kinds of things that is needed for a sport where you don't have 10 other people on the field to rely on yeah uh, it's just, it is it is completely different. And I think they're all great in their own respects. You know, yeah, even, they all bring something to the table.
0: Right. Even college tennis, it makes me think, like, people yell and scream uh, between points, right? They're, like, really vocal. And sometimes they're even harassing the other player <laughs> because yeah. it's it's so, you know, like my campus versus your campus, but during the actual point, it gets pretty quiet, you know, because people know don't distract, even don't distract your own player, right? Uh, yes. And speaking of distraction, one of the coaches told me that Benoit Pair got really upset uh, about line calls, and I guess there was some kind of malfunction of the line, uh, electronic line calling it, or something? It was really bad.
1: It was really bad, Philip. <laughs> that, thing, that thing was going off like crazy, yelling out. When balls were like two feet in, it, it was so bad, it was like honestly, it would have been better if the chair umpire just called all the lines like
0: <laughs> uh,
1: i don't know where they got their system. I really don't it yeah. wasn't Hawkeye that's for sure
0: <laughs> which is so expensive, right? so of course they're not going to use that.
1: yeah, I mean, but I thought I thought actually they probably could have got. Um, line judges to volunteer
0: yeah oh I'm sure they could have you
1: know for the event or paid them not that much just because they'd I mean I would have went and been a line judge right for the experience and the free ticket
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm sure they could have for sure and just to like meet the the pros and all that but yeah it's interesting I think that again that's the idea is like what is the future of tennis well the future of tennis is electronic line calling right
1: yeah,
0: that's for sure. What, that's what maybe the organizers thought. Well, hopefully they'll like tighten all of this up and because they have one more in Frankfurt coming up in September. So, oh,
1: wow, okay.
0: Yeah, so this is not just a one-off in Los Angeles, but it's Los Angeles and Frankfurt is w- what it's supposed to be. And Frankfurt actually has a, sep- a separate list of players that are actually going to be there. So I think um some some of the people are the same and some are different so if you want to check that out you can go to uts.live uh and to and see the events um and who's playing where but for instance nick curious is supposed to play frankfurt i (laughs) we'll see right yeah Uh, gail monfils is also going to be there diego schwartzman also but special to frankfurt will be daniel medvedev uh, riley opelka uh, Andre Rublev, who I love and <gasps> watch. Right?
1: Oh, I love Andre. I wish he was <laughs> in L.A.
0: Yeah, that would have been fun. And then Benoit Paire is also on that list. So that's a lot of fun. I think it's just going to be really great for them. It would be interesting to see how the uh, European audience uh, adapts this new concept of tennis.
1: Yeah, and I think um, I think also for some reason – I kept having it in my head that it was going to be in, an indoor thing.
0: Yes, and it, I, and I actually it was did outdoor. too when I was giving it away because it said arena. So I was thinking arena, uh, like indoor arena, but yeah. And then and then I got a text from, I think it was from Mark uh, Gazanski, who said, hey, I moved from the sun to the shade. I was like, oh, it's outdoors.
1: <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. Um, I lasted in the sun about 40 minutes, and I was like, this is not – Necessary. There's a whole, there was a lot of empty seats, let me tell you. And Mm. that was also a little bit disappointing because I feel like sometimes they just overcharge. Like, I wanted to go to the Ultimate Tennis Showdown before the USTA gifted you tickets. Yep. But I looked at the prices and I was like, this is too much for exhibition tennis if Roger Federer is not there.
0: And how much is too much? Do you remember what the cost was?
1: Uh, I don't, but I feel like it was triple digits for just like one session.
0: Uh-huh. It's not and. listed on the website anymore because the event is over, so it's only showing me uh, German <laughs> oh, information for Frankfurt. But uh, So something like $120 kind of vibe.
1: Yeah, it was definitely at least a hundred bucks a ticket, and like I don't even pay that much to go to Indian Wells.
0: Right, Indian Wells is the best deal in tennis, I think, in the in the world. It's just amazing. Yeah, that you, you could just walk on on campus, get a grounds pass for sixty dollars, and even less if you have a USTA membership. So that's just crazy.
1: Yeah, and I think the French Open was eighty euros. Nice.
0: nice. So
1: uh yeah when i saw the prices for uts i just kind of was like oh never mind <laughs> and then you know the US T.A. saved the day and i still got to experience it Yay. so I'm, I'm very grateful thank you so much usta
0: yes thank you thank so much. you so
1: much love set match for hooking up the the love set match team with the experience
0: well, I'm. Thank so, you so
1: much to those who donated, contributed.
0: Yes, for their yes. tickets. And, and and actually, you're going to be able to use some of those funds tonight because uh, we have to cut it short because you're on your way to teach a kids' class right in East Los Angeles.
1: Yes, with Coach Peter, and I owe him two. Uh, cans of tennis balls because I bet that Djokovic would win the Wimbledon final and he <laughs> took Alcaraz.
0: <laughs> and I joined you in that bet, so I owe him. A, I owe him one can. Oh, of tennis he came
1: balls. up. All right. Well, good. Go for you. Uh, good for you, Coach Peter.
0: <laughs> well, we only have a couple more minutes, but I would love your take on Wimbledon because I know you watched every match as you always do.
1: Of course. I watched a lot. What's funny is I'm now not working and I watched a lot less than <laughs> I normally do. I think just because it's in the middle of the night and it was just so hard to wake up at like 2 a.m. and watch right. tennis. Right. Um, I. It was thrilling. It was fantastic. I'm super excited that Car- Carlos Alcaraz is here. He has arrived.
0: What a win. Incredible. I mean –
1: Men's tennis is in good hands i for a person who loves Roger and Rafa, and now that they're not there, there is um, some sense of like, well, what do we do? yeah uh, is it even worth watching anymore? Just Djokovic beat all these um second hand <laughs> players but it's <laughs> it's so good to see him doing well um and really challenging Djokovic so like we have something to be excited and look forward to now which is great yeah what did what did you think on the on the men's side
0: just again I I really thought it was just a foregone conclusion just because I thought Djokovic really wanted it right I mean calendar slam I, I really thought this is his time to shine this is his victory lap this is where Rob is gone, <laughs> Roger's gone, you know, I get to be the man, you know, and he gets to mm-hmm. be the man for the next two years or so, because I didn't think he had any competition, and just was shocked, uh, especially after the first set, right? Yeah. Uh, you're like, oh, here we go, you know, but <laughs> just was shocked at Alcaraz's mental abilities to stay in the point to keep going for the shots to to hold serve just was incredible and i love martin's uh point that he believes that alcaraz is one of the fastest learners in tennis that he's seen i love that idea you know so i really encourage you guys if you haven't listened to our last podcast please go back one and listen to our last episode where martin really waxes poetic about carlos alcaraz and and why he won and I've got to say that on the women's side, Valerie, it was so disappointing because my favorite right now is Rabakina, of course, right? And so, you know, that maybe she was a little bit injured, but to see her go out to Owens and to have Owens like, you know, have that wonderful revenge, she even used the word revenge, mm-hmm. uh, to take her out, and then she, to beat Sabalenka, and then you felt like, okay, well, I'm going to cheer for Owens because this is her moment, right? And then to have her lose was... It just took my heart away from the whole side of women's tennis. It was hard. It was very hard.
1: Yeah, that was that was hard for sure. I, I mean, you you said exactly how I felt through the thing because I love Rebecca who I've been calling Rebecca And actually at Indian Wells, I, I made friends with um, someone who volunteered on Kids Day and sat next to her. Wow. Uh, and she met her. Met Elena and asked her, is it Rebekina or is it Rebakana? And she said, what? It's whatever you want. But but Rebekina. And I was like, oh, okay. So I've been trying to say (laughs) Rebekina. Because
0: that's what we used to say before, right?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: And then, but I, I, I thought. I think you taught me this, that the Russians say... The
1: second yeah, syllable.
0: right? Yeah. You taught me that. I thought to say, it.
1: that's what they told me about, like, Sharapova is Shapova, Yeah. Shapovalov, Shapovalov, Shapo- or right, whatever. Right, Yeah, Shap is Shapoval- Shapovalov. Yeah. It's not Shapovalov. This is what I was told by a Russian, but I maybe he steered me wrong. I don't know. Or maybe <laughs> Rybakina likes the way that sounds better. <laughs> but I'm I'm glad she did well. At least she lost to like Ons and not I don't know, some someone <laughs> lower ranked.
0: Right, that's true. I mean, she did lose to the semifinal or the the finalist. Yeah, two-time
1: so, finalist, like back-to-back finalist, right? right? So that's good.
0: And it was um, it was hard to see Swiatek lose as well, you know. So, yeah. just in general, the the matchups and the the, i my heart wasn't into the women's side once Ravikina lost and and then i was just watching you know to see what happened and i don't have any feelings about vondrasova uh so happy for her but i just i'm not connected to her in any way yet so yeah <laughs> i'm hoping so she random. does well
1: again so that i can feel like i get get to know her a little better right. and her game better because i feel like i don't really know her game well but people talk about her game as being full of variety yeah, and that's generally the type of player I like to watch so I hope that I get more chances to watch her and see if I maybe I do like her you know
0: yeah yeah
1: (laughs) and just don't know it yet because she's (laughs) she's not really at the forefront of women's tennis
0: right yeah and uh uh Swiantek was out Uh, I mean I guess um Gail Monfils' wife was like the story, maybe the heart of the story. Right? You just yeah. felt like, wow, so cool that Svitolina could could come back and and play so well, and um, and that was pretty exciting. And her, her match against Shuajantek, I think think was a, a turning point. For the whole – so, yeah, again, it, hey, tennis is so unpredictable, you know. It's so hard to call. I, I'm so glad I don't gamble and bet on it because <laughs> I would lose.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true, especially on the women's side, you know.
0: Especially. Any
1: any given day. Well, that, that's the uh, the term in football. American football is like any given Sunday. Uh, you never know what's going to happen, and, and it feels very much so like that in – Women's tennis, yeah. There's so much parody it's-
0: and a lot of really high-quality players right now. So super, super exciting. I'm, I'm kind of excited about Mira Andreev. Andrea Andreeva. Oh, yeah. I can't wait.
1: Yes, I hope right? she has a good. She's gonna be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, she's really fun, and her interviews are so fun. And I think what's she? 16 now, or still? Yeah, 15? something.
1: So maybe 16. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and she's just like,
1: no, I'm still a kid. <laughs> she's great she's great she's gonna be great for the sport so I'm excited about her too
0: yeah it's really fun so well I know you got to get ready to teach and thank you so much for doing what you're doing um, just to let everyone else know we are offering free tennis lessons in East LA at three different parks there and just trying to give an experience to people uh, that maybe they wouldn't have, especially in an underserved community like East Los Angeles, with the ultimate goal of building relationships with these people and hopefully, you know, inviting them to play tennis and then teaching them and educating them all the amazing benefits that tennis gives, not only fitness, health, and nutrition, but really just mental toughness, emotional control Um, how to deal with loss, how to deal with losing, which is, I think, one of the hardest lessons in life. Yeah. (laughs) How do you deal with something like that? How to be a good, uh, how to have good sportsmanship. And I just feel like there's so many really positive benefits. And uh, I got to tell you that I was at your court in uh, Amigo Park last week, and there were two kids that I got to play with who had never played tennis before but they play they play on a little league baseball uh, team right so uh-huh. they were they were able to just hit like 10 20 30 balls back and forth over the net in in consecutively and so nice. it was really exciting for them and then of course when the other kids see that, they're like, let me try, let me try. And some of these kids are just like little Padawan Jedis. They're so good. <laughs> they, they can see the ball. They, they have good hand-eye coordination. They have no idea about technique, right? So if yeah. I just give them a little tip, I, I always say, hey, here's the secret, right? <laughs> and they take it and they run with it. And boy, I just tell you, there are so many great, players in this little community that we're in and i feel like hopefully they walk away feeling like wow that tennis was really fun i loved it loved coach valerie i I just had a great time you know that's the whole point right and so thank you to everyone who supported us and and continues to support us with you know the uts tickets and and uh, i'm excited also valerie that just today we got the opportunity to be able to put on an Arthur Ashe Tennis Kids Day here in Los Angeles. So I'm going to be starting to work on that, and that's going to come up August the 25th, a Saturday. So pulling all our resources together and really trying to make a super fun day for kids here in Los Angeles. And if you want to be involved in that, love to hear from you. Please email us, aces at at lovesetmatch.net. That would be great. Valerie, any last parting words for our listeners?
1: You know, just uh, check out lovesetmatch.net for information on these fro- free programs that Phillips nonprofit has put together. They, like you said, they're just so much fun. And there's still, what, a few weeks left to get in on it?
0: For our summer um, programs, yep.
1: For the summer program, yeah, and uh, you know if you can't make it for the summer program, I'm sure Philip has something else up his sleeve. So yeah. <laughs> visit visit his website and check out all this all the cool things he has coming, and uh, definitely make sure that all your serves are aces. aces.
0: Thank you, Valerie. Love you. Talk to you soon. Have fun. Bye, okay. Philip. Bye.
3: Tennis Pal Coach has everything a coach needs to expand and generate business right in the palm of their hand. With Tennis Pal Coach, coaches can access the fastest growing community of tennis players on an app. They can analyze videos and communicate with students via text or video chat anywhere in the world. Coaches can also plan and schedule lessons as well as receive payment. Tennis Pal Coach, because coaching doesn't have to stop off the court.